Relevant. Relevant. The radio show. Sharing a real message in a relevant way. Hi, this is Natasha Herrett, and you are listening to Relevant, the radio show. Thanks for joining us this Sunday morning. Hope that you are getting your Sunday morning off to a great start. And we have a wonderful show for you today. Our topic this morning is Beauty for Ashes. And that's taken from uh, scripture in Isaiah. And we're going to go through that um, later. But I just want to introduce our topic. And we have a great interview coming up with Pastor Renee Dotson. And we're just going to talk about kind of experiencing hardship in life and recovering and thriving. Because that is the place that God wants us to live. Not just surviving, but thriving. So um, I want to introduce our song for today. And our song for today is Patrick Dobson's God Is. And there's a lyric in here that I just want to point out. It says that um, he takes what is broken, meaning God. God takes what is broken and reminds me that I'm chosen, gives me the faith to stand on my feet. God is. So we want to talk about today going through those hardships, and sometimes they leave us with ashes. They leave us with remnants of hurt and shame and uh, betrayal. But God takes that and reminds us of who we are. So listen to this song, and I hope that you're inspired. God is. A brand new horizon New mercies provided for me I have decided The enemy won't win today A brand new horizon There's new mercies Mercies provided for me I have decided I have decided The enemy won't win today God will fight for me Totally humiliate my enemy He will take what was broken Remind me I'm chosen Give me the faith to stand on
we want to talk to people tonight who maybe feel things are hopeless dreams have been shattered things look dark tonight we want to declare to you it's not over it's only the beginning sing it
over your marriage. Hey. I'm speaking this over your wayward sons and daughters. I'm speaking this over your unsaved spouse. It's not over. When God is in, I'm speaking this over your health tonight. I'm speaking this over your finances tonight. It's not, it's not over. want to go into what's right with the world. There's often so much chaos and confusion, negative uh, news, and it's good to be reminded of what's right with the world. Because on Relevant, the radio show, we want to be about reminding you about the positivity and light that God wants us to walk in. So what's right with the world? I found the story on the news. There is a five-year-old little girl named Matilda, and she approached her mom in March when COVID-19 became the focus of news coverage, and she said that she wants to make people happy. I wondered what I could do to help them, and I figured out that I should start doing something, she said. So little Matilda at five years old began drawing pictures and including messages such as, you're not alone. Her mom ended up posting some of the pictures on Facebook and said that Matilda wanted to cheer people up, and she started taking requests for pictures. Little Matilda, at five years old, is changing lives and encouraging people everywhere. She has mailed out 
and drawn over 75 pictures and they keep getting requests. Her mom has started her own Facebook page for Matilda and people can request pictures for their parents that are in nursing homes or those that are sick or just people that are isolating because of the virus and just could use a little encouragement. And I thought this was an awesome, awesome young lady. Matilda is what is right with the world. Visit our Facebook page to be connected with Matilda's site to request a drawing or send her well wishes because I think she's doing an awesome job. She's taking the ashes of COVID-19 and turning it into beauty for a lot of people and giving encouragement. Now that's what's right with the world. You're rocking with the best on a relevant radio show with your host, Natasha Harrod. Somebody shout to God! There's a song we used to sing, to say, Speak to my heart, Holy Spirit, give me the words that will bring life. Words on the wings of the morning, the dark night would fail away. If you speak to my heart, everybody join in the same. Message of love, message of love, message of love, message of love,
welcome back. You are joining us with Relevant, the radio show. I'm your host, Natasha Herod, and we have for our special guest today, Pastor Renee Dodson. She hails from the St. Louis metropolitan area, and she is a powerful woman of God that is making a mighty impact on many lives. And she's going to be our special guest today as we discuss Beauty for Ashes. Welcome, Pastor Renee. Thank you so much, um, Natasha. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be with you. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, your career, you know, kind of what you do, secular-wise. Okay. My, Of course, I'm Renee Dotson. I am married to my amazing husband, Walter Dotson, and together we have five grown children and 18 grand. So wow. that that's our family life, a huge extended family. Uh, family is everything to us. And so um, we love, of course, our children and our grands. And as it relates to my career, um, I work in the HR department for Charter Communications. And so I've been doing this HR thing for 17 years, uh, have a master's degree in business administration from Fontenfine University and a bachelor's of biblical studies from the Midwest College of Theology. So that's that's me and my career and of course ministry and what I do for the kingdom. Awesome. awesome. All that's my life. Yes. And I'm so glad that you brought out your um, educational background and your career uh, the MBA and the family life, because sometimes when people see where we are today, they think that we've always been there, right? You know, they think that that's been our Correct. life, <laughs> but it, it's been a journey, <laughs> right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, you are, uh, you have a pastoral calling on your life and your ministry. Tell us about your ministry. So my ministry is Artie Love Ministries, and under that ministry um, house is housed the I Love Me Better Than That retreat. And in January, I launched Sister to Sister. So a little bit about I Love Me Better Than That retreat. It's an annual retreat. This year is year number 14. Um, and so each year we get together with a group of women over the third weekend in October. We have powerful speakers. Um we, we just it just caters to the whole woman we we do shopping we do skits we we laugh we cry we pray we sing we dance we shout and so it ministers to the woman as a whole because we're so multifaceted that you can't just do one part of us so it speaks to all of us and what it is is just want to empower the woman to empower every woman and that every woman should lift every woman up wow and that you love yourself better than that and your that can be different from my that but each and every one of us have a that <laughs> so exactly. i love myself better than, better that. than that and sister yeah. to sister <laughs> tell us about sister to sister so sister to sister is uh, a monthly meeting uh, with women from all walks of life where we get together talk about various topics we're doing it virtual now, just uh, in light of everything that's going on. So every second Saturday from 10.30 a.m. to 12.30 p.m. Central Standard Time, we get on a Zoom call and we 
talk about life issues and we keep it very real with us with each other we're right now we're doing a uh, we're doing a deep dive on relationships mm. and so that's what we did last past saturday and we'll be doing it again in um, september because we didn't finish the topic because there's so many layers right. to relationships so Right. Um, open to all women, all walks of life. Okay. Okay. And so um, you gave us the perfect segue to our um, topic, Beauty for Ashes. And um, you talk about with the retreat, I love me better than that, and how my that might be one thing, uh, another woman's that might be something else, your that might be, you know, something um what has been, you know, just in relationship and being, you know, I guess transparent and um, in the interest of really being a blessing and a help to others, what maybe has led to some ashes? And when we talk about ashes, meaning like the remnants from pain and grief, what has led to ashes in your life? What's been your that? So if I if I speak directly from a, a point of view of the I love me better than that retreat, um, the ashes of my life were um, uh, I'm a survivor of domestic violence. And so um, the ashes would when I was in it, it didn't it did if they weren't ashes. It was just what life was dealing me at the time. I I, I saw it as as normal, uh-huh. if that makes any sense. Yeah. When yeah. I was in it, it was it was. It was normal. It was my way of life. It's how I. It, it's it's how life was. It wasn't until I was removed from the situation that I was able to get out that it became ashes for me. And ashes because of the hurt and the trauma and the pain and and the unwillingness to forgive and, and to move on with life. Because even though I was out of it, Natasha, I was still in it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was out of it physically. But emotionally, it still had a, a grip on me, which right. became ashes for me, which then, of course, getting over it burst out this ministry right. of I love me better than that. Because I, I love me better than that, that I know that no one should be mistreating me. No one should be beating me. No one should be talking down to me. Mm-hmm. So the ashes were that pain that I felt, that mm-hmm. that the heartache. The yeah. struggle of someone that you're actually married to that can treat you that way. Right, right. And that's interesting that you hit on a, a great point that it wasn't ashes when you were there. And it wasn't until you were after. And and, and, and that's perfectly um, understandable, you know, because sometimes we don't see the dysfunction that we're living in until we're out of it. And we have some perspective. You know, we don't fi- we don't have the ashes while the fire is burning. But after the fire is over, we're left with the remnants. We're left with what remains. And so you talk about picking up the pieces, the the, the pain and uh, the hurt from someone that you're married to that could treat you like that. Um, how hard was it or was it difficult to release those ashes to God? It was it was absolutely the most the most difficult thing that I've ever done in life (laughs) was to release the ashes because releasing the ashes, giving that to God means that you have to forgive. Uh. It, it, It means that you have to relinquish the ashes and, 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 the ashes become your comfort zone because they allow you to sit in that place 
of dejection and rejection and depression, it allows you to stay there. <laughs> so if I give it to God, did that wow. mean? Yeah, I, yeah, I have to, I have to forgive. I have to get out of the war with me because it happened, right? But mm-hmm. I lived through it. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to bleed out, but I did bleed out. Yes, yes. But if I give it to God, then I can no longer be angry about it, right? I can no longer, mm-hmm. I can no longer point the blame game. I can no longer do all of that. I have to really open up my heart to love. So it was difficult to give God the ashes because I knew that giving him the ashes meant that I had to open up my heart again to really love and be transparent and 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 be loved and able to love back without any reservations. And that's mm. that was a very hard place for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes once our trust is broken, not once it's broken, but when we have lived in that place of broken trust, broken um faith you know we've been hurt and dejected to put ourselves back and allow ourselves to be vulnerable you know we feel automatically you know the ashes come back you know and even though this ain't that you know it reminds us of that and so we're hesitant to really trust not only people but trust God yes Mm -hmm. yes yes Mm -hmm. and then anything that that remotely looked like it, right? Mm-hmm. Just the such like, if it looked like it was going to be that, then it then it brought back the things that I hadn't dealt with. Right. Because you just let the, you know, you sit in the ashes and you know, at some point, the Bible says, okay, you got to get up out the ashes and wash your face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, exactly, you got to exactly. get up. Time to take you off the get sackcloth up. and ashes. <laughs> yeah, you got to get off the sackcloth and get, get yourself together, wash your face, eat some food, come on here. Mm-hmm. But 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 that's uncomfortable because yeah. you get you get used to it. And, you know, you, you, you don't think you really want the empathy, but it's hard to it's hard to let go. Yeah. But it's when you let go. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a whole brand new world over here. <laughs> a brand new world. Don't get me to sing it yet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, um, how important would you say it is to do the work, go through the process? Because many times we come from that place, that place of ashes, and we want to jump right back into something, um, whatever it is. And um, whether it be a relationship, another job, another this, another that, another project, another ministry, another church. Um, and we have not done the work. We have not done the process, gone through the process of healing and wholeness, not just spiritually, but emotionally. You know, sometimes it may involve talk therapy. Sometimes it may involve just some space and um, self-care. It may involve some medication sometimes. It may involve some support from your peers and your family. Um, But so many times, what would you say to that, you know, doing the work? So, so I would say absolutely. It's, it's, it's really important that you do the work that you do the work, that you do the work. And the work just doesn't, it's not a one-time fix-all thing. Mm-hmm. I find that doing the work is an everyday process for me. Mm-hmm. Just, I'm just talking about me. Mm-hmm. For me, it's everyday waking up. Um, because in that situation that I was in, I was so torn down with self-esteem and self-worth, which was getting to the root of the problem. 
Mm -hmm. So I'll start there. You have to find out what's the root. What was at the root of Mm -hmm. me being in that situation? And for me, the root went back all the way to childhood. (laughs) Some things you wouldn't even believe that I heard as a child that that destroyed my self-esteem and my self-worth. So, yeah, I would be involved with someone that that wouldn't know how to treat me because I didn't know how to treat myself. And so, again, it goes back to your finding out tracing down you got to track that thing down at the root right and you then you've got to pull it up mm-hmm. and then you can't go back mm-hmm. right you can't keep going back and revisiting that thing you can't keep going you have to do the work so i would say that's at the top of the line you must do the work you must mm-hmm. do the work find out find out your yeah. path you know sometimes we have to go back and dig down and dig the thing up from the root mm-hmm. <laughs> and kill it. Yeah, and kill it. Because yeah. otherwise it just keeps it just keeps manifesting itself in a different form. Exactly. So we have to do the work. If you don't do the work, you're gonna you're gonna back be back in the ashes. And it may not be the ashes like for me for abuse, but it'll be the ashes of something else. Mm-hmm. It'll be something else in your life that'll it'll be out of control yeah. if you do. It'll take on another thing if you don't deal with it. You have to deal with it. And again, for me, it's an everyday, it's an everyday occurrence. It's an everyday wake up. You know, you get delivered and set free. You got to wake up and want to be, you You got to want to stay free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right? You don't want to yeah. get back entangled, Tasha. Yeah, exactly. Now you, Pastor Renee, you're throwing yeah. out some gems. You know, I heard you say, you know, that you have to know how to treat yourself. You know, how can someone else know how to treat you when you don't know how to treat yourself? And then something else you said about getting to the root, you know, and I think that's key because sometimes we either want to play the victim or we are the victim sometimes, but sometimes it's important for us to go back, you know, run that thing back and see what led me here. What choices did I make? Not that I deserve this, but what choices did I make? What steps did I take to get me to this destination? I just didn't fall into this, you know? And so if we find out, like you say, what's at the root of that thing, then we can pluck it up. Then we can change behaviors. Then we can change mindsets. Then we can change perspectives. Yeah, that's 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 good. That's, that's really good. And I think, and that is so um, helpful you know, to someone that might be going through some different situations. And as she said, your your ashes or your that might not be domestic violence, but it might be something else, you know. And so it's so important that we go back and look at the root of those things, our choices and our um, decisions that have led us here or that have allowed us to remain in this place of ash, of ash. Um, how would you, you know, what what would you say, how does one deal with, people around them that always want to remind them of the mistakes that they've made or who they used to be you know they always want to take you back to that place of brokenness that place of ashes you know what would you say to that so that's one of the i mean that's a very interesting that's a you know because people do like to keep revisiting right Mm -hmm. they want to revisit and, and remind you of your mistakes, their mistakes, our mistakes, and and and, and just in a in a gentle way, and I and, and I've learned this through the process of just dealing with people, is that you have to move them from that space. Mm-hmm. You know, you mine is to just say, hey, but we're no longer doing that anymore, right? <laughs> we learn from that, right? Yeah, yeah. We, uh-huh. we don't have to. 
We don't have to talk about that because we've been there. We've done that. We got the T-shirt and we, we know not to do that again. And so just redirecting the conversation often is a good place to start okay. because when people like to wallow and stuff, sometimes they just need that gentle reminder to, to kind of to, to navigate them back to the right course because mm -hmm. we get off course sometimes. Mm -hmm. So that gentle look, maybe Tasha, let's turn to the right this time because the left, we don't want to go down that road because we've been down there. We've already talked about that. Girl, we set free. Yeah. Yes. Right. Pastor Renee with the MBA, you know, married to a wonderful husband, you know, living for God, you know, self-confident, victorious. But then they want to take you back to broken Renee from 20 years ago. You know, they want to take you back to this person or that person, you know, and but redirecting, you know, um, the conversation. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and refusing, refusing evangelist Natasha, refusing to, to be a, to be a victim. Stop. You know, I'm not letting you pull, pull me back into a place that I've left. I've, I've been set free from this. So I'm not getting in the car. I'm not going to be your passenger, right? <laughs> I'm not going to be your co-pilot mm -hmm. to take me back to a place that I'm that I'm out of or, or allow you to take yourself back. Mm -hmm. You know, come from out of there. Mm -hmm. I, I'll say that to, especially to the women I'm very close. You need to come from out of there. <laughs> we're not doing that anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you have to stand firm yeah. in who you are now and, and, and refuse to be you know, taken back to that place, you know, uh, whom, absolutely, whom the Lord has set free is free indeed, you know, and so we have to walk in absolutely. that liberty and walk in that freedom and not be afraid to do so. Yeah. Um, earlier you talked about forgiveness, forgiveness. I need to echo there. Forgiveness, forgiveness. Um, <laughs> sometimes that can be a major hurdle in us moving forward in, in, in us really giving those ashes and releasing those re experiences to God. Was that your experience? Was um, forgiveness of others a major hurdle for you? And then what about forgiving yourself? How about that? So, so forgiveness, oh my goodness, forgiveness has so many levels from, it has so many levels during this process of me just getting free. Because first of all, I had to, you know, sometimes we'll say we've forgiven the person because it sounds good and, and that's mm -hmm. what people expect, right. especially if you, you know, you're saved, you're, you should forgive. Mm -hmm. But it's, you know, it's just words because if you really don't do it when it comes back up or that person or the name is said, mm -hmm. it'll bring back a whole lot of bad stuff. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we say we've forgiven and really it's just been on the surface. Mm -hmm. So it's a pro that that also to me is a process and, and, and it's just very complicated because it's the level of what has happened for me. It was so devastating. So there were several levels of forgiveness that I had to walk through and it was a major hurdle. But right now where I am in my life, I can forgive more quickly because I know the damage that was caused to me by not forgiving, not forgiving him was crippling me when there was a good relationship that came my way, I was crippled by the old stuff because I had, I was living in unforgiveness. I was, okay. I did not forgive. I was saying I had forgiven him. I was saying I forgot and moved on and 
but the truth of the matter, the meat of the matter is I was still so very angry. I was so very upset. I was so very just, look, angry. Mm-hmm. I was mad and I had not forgiven. Was big man. And forgiveness, <laughs> if you don't do it, if you don't do that thing, it, it, it just wreaks havoc on your life. And so you just, I say you were big mad, huh? <laughs> you said um, that not forgiving crippled you in the relationship that you were, you know, not maybe at that time, it crippled you where you were at that time. You were out of that space of that abusive relationship, but not forgiving brought that into another relationship. Absolutely. And then, and then, and then you have to deal with the fact that I had forgiven myself for let myself get into the situation in the first place right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so there's the whole there's all of these you got to forgive the part you got to forgive yourself for making this bad choice that's put you in harm's way that's cost you this huge cost that is cost but again when you go back to your your topic the beauty for ashes because it ends up being beauty for my ashes because once I forgave him, I can forgive myself. I can forgive the people who were involved, who, who, you know, coerced me to stay. And I just, I had to forgive a whole bunch. I had to forgive myself, you know, for my children had to, it was so many levels, but yes, forgiveness is key. And yes, it was hard. But now it's easy because yeah. you got to do it. You got to do the work. Exactly. It's part of the work, yeah. Evangelist Natasha. Yeah, and I'm a firm believer in that, you know, doing the work. And, and I think, you know, that's a separate show for us to really delve into, you know, forgiveness and what it looks like. And, you know, because so many times we're waiting on the apology in order to forgive. We're waiting on change behavior in order to forgive, you know. But in order for your beauty um in order for you to have beauty produced from ashes, forgiveness is key, you know, not, and it's not based upon what the offender does or who you perceive the offender to be. It's, you know, it's for us in order to move forward and, and to have that release. So yeah, definitely forgiveness is so key. Yeah. Right. Because if you don't forgive, you know, the person, the person continues to have a grip or a hold on you. Yeah. You, yeah. you're, I mean, you're still, you're, so it's even more, it's even more of a punishment because now you've been through whatever you've been through and now they still have a hold on you because you haven't forgiven. Right. And you're holding on thinking somehow that's going to make them feel bad when it doesn't. It's just a heaviness for you. Right, right. And, and and you're stopping the fruit in your own life. You're stopping the, the flowers that could grow in your own life. You're stopping the beauty that could be produced in your own life. So that is so key, like Absolutely. I say, in order for that exchange yes. to take place. So as we've moved forward, and I know, you know, there's so much that could that you could delve into, you know, because like you say, it's a process, an everyday process, and there's so much to your story, you know, and I encourage any woman that, you know, wants to know more, you know, to, you need to attend the I Love Me Better Than That retreat um, every year. Um, and, you know, we are going to have the link um, to information if it's okay with pastor renee we're going to share that on the relevant um the radio show uh facebook page on uh following this show you can get more information on her and her ministry um but 
What beauty have you experienced in your life as you've moved forward, as you've released those ashes and given them to God? You know, because I think people need to really know that there is, you know, there is an after. You know, sometimes we feel like we are just in this space and this is all that my life is going to be, you know. But what as you've come through that and as you've continued to do the work, and as you said, it's continual, you know, so people definitely need to know that it's not okay, I'm finished, I'm done, I've forgiven, I've moved on, you know, and I'm, I'm finished with the work, but it's a continual process, as you say, daily. You know, the Bible says that we die daily, you know, our flesh, our will, our desire. Um, so what beauty have you experienced in your life as you've moved forward, as you've given those ashes to God? So as it relates to beauty that I've experienced uh, as I move forward, I have met some of the most amazing women. Um, my life, because I was able to move forward and I was able to uh, give God really the ashes for real, for real. <laughs> for real, for just real. Just give that thing over to for real, for real, not for fake, but for real, for real. It has allowed me uh, a certain level of love that 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 I that I hadn't ex ever experienced in my life. It has allowed me again to meet some amazing women and to to pour into their lives in any small way that I can. It has given me the beauty of again a ministry where I can see people, see women come together from all work walks of life, and I can see them the chains and the bondage mm -hmm. come off of them in that setting. I can see women connect the beauty of seeing relationships with other women form because of the fact that they were at a retreat over a weekend together. I can, the, the beauty of knowing that somebody was on their way to divorce court, but they attended this retreat and the empowerment that they felt allowed them to go home and work through that thing that all of that beauty right that mm -hmm. beauty of you know the beauty of seeing women empowered is phenomenal and i wouldn't have had that beauty i wouldn't have had that kind of beauty if i wouldn't have ever had the ashes yeah so what i went through and no i didn't deserve it and you know was god a part of it no because it was a relationship that god didn't ordain i was just in it but he still gave me beauty for the ashes. It's it's beautiful when you can see this retreat come together. You it's beautiful to see 20 plus sisters on the line trying to talk each other through how we be better. That that's yeah. beauty to me. Yeah. That, yeah. That, that's absolutely I would I met you, you know, and your family through the retreat exactly. to me that's beauty yes. it's beauty it's beauty in that and the closeness and the relationships and the bonds and the sister girl friendships that that have come out and just to see just to see my life just to see my daughter embrace this whole movement just it's that's that's I mean, you know, it was a hard time back then, but man, I'm telling you. Yeah. Yeah, what the enemy I, meant for I, evil, I, God I turned it for your good. Yeah, yeah. God, God turned it for good. He, 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 he made me such, it, that process made me such a better person, right? It made me a better person. It, it made me love harder. 
yeah. which you would think you would never love again, but I, I, I'm all in. You know that about me. If yeah. I'm in, I'm all in. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm all in. And if I'm not, if we're not there, I'm still not out. You know, right. I'm not trying to do anyone any harm. So it, it's just taught me so many levels of this thing. It's just, it's the love, the f- confidence, freedom, freedom, my mind, you know. God has given me so much and my, my spirit is free. My mind, I'm confident, you know, Yeah. I, I, one of the things that I was told, you know, was I was just so unattractive and I look at myself and I, and I tease the ladies often and you know this, but I'm cute, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and and it's not in a, in a, a, yeah, it's not in a, in, in a pumped up way. It's just because I know whose I am. I can say that. And I know my heart. So yeah, yeah. I'm telling you, this this beauty for ashes is something, and yeah. I'm, you know. But you gotta, if I could say anything, I would say give the ashes. Just give him all of those broken pieces, you know, all that stuff you're holding on to. Just give it to God and release yourself from the prison that you're in, because it actually has you in a prison. Yes, it yes, has yes. you in a prison in your mind, your body, your soul, your spirit. And so I would say, give it to God. Yeah, because you can't handle it by yourself. You so you don't true. really need it. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And if you can't use it, don't visit the ashes. Bury yeah. them for real. Yeah, and and actually, you know, you um, I was going to ask what you would. You know, sometimes we feel we are going to be in this dry season or season of ashes forever. And I was going to ask you what you would tell someone that's in that season of their life, but that sums it up, you know, to give it to God, you know, so that you can be released and that you can be in liberty. And as you were talking about the beauty that you've experienced, I kind of thought about the ashes and how they were burying ground, you know, kind of how a seed you know, you know, it needs dirt and soil, you know, and, and, and from that seed comes life, comes beautiful flowers and vegetation. You know, if we allow and, and release it to God, you know, and pack that those ashes under our feet, he can, pl- you know, the seed that he has planted in us for a powerful destiny can come to life, you know, and, and that those ashes, they are not to hold us back. But when your seed is in the ground, it comes up. And, and, and I guess the, the scripture um, in Genesis 5 and 20, it says that you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And through your ashes, you know, as you said, you know, the impact that the retreat in your ministry has had on women through the ashes of domestic violence and low self-esteem and rejection through those ashes have come the saving of many lives. And so we are so grateful for um, your life and for your testimony and for your willingness to release those ashes so that through that other people are able to find their way to freedom. Absolutely. And and just just to piggyback just a little bit on, on the season of Asher, or you find you found yourself in this dry season. It's just the season. That's all it is. Mm. It's just for this time. And then and what I was saying, I would encourage you if you're to the listener, is don't stay in that season too long. Don't mm. try to keep yourself there. Sometimes we're there just for this season to learn to get what we're supposed to get. 
right? Because mm-hmm. in the dark place, in the dry season, you learn a lot. You learn a lot in the valley. <laughs> yes, yes. You learn you learn a lot in the valley, which to me equates to your dry season, your season of ashes. But in the valley, if I'm in the valley, by definition of a valley, I, I, I have either I'm going to a mountaintop or I just left one. That's the only way that you can be in the valley because it's a depressed place in between two mountains. Mm-hmm. So don't stay in your dry season one day at a time one step at a time. If you take a step, he's going to take a step. And he, I'm telling you, he will give you, he'll give you beauty for ashes. He'll do it. Yes. He will do it. Yes. Yes. And, and as you're going through this process to those that may be listening and you may be in your season of ashes and you have experienced hardship and um, things that have hurt you to the core, you know, as pastor Renee said, you can't stay in the Valley forever. There is a mountaintop waiting for you, you know, and I often say it can't rain forever. You know, that's against the laws of nature. It can't rain forever. And so if there's rain in your life, just know, you know, that it's only watering the seed that is in you and that there is life and there is hope for you. And, you know, where you are today is not your ending point. As long as there's life left in you, God still has a great hope and a destiny for you. And, We just want you to walk away with that uh, reminder. Thank you, Pastor Renee, for sharing with us and for your transparency. Um, Any last things that you would like to leave with our listeners? If I was just going to say a last thought again, I would say when it relates to your beauty for ashes, when it relates to the pain, the grief or anything that you've experienced in your life, just remember that there is another side. There is there is another side that you can go to the other side and you'll look back because I look back over my life and I think about all that I've been through and I and I and I and I cherish the fact that I did go through it because it has again made me the person that I am. So go through it, get through it, and go you're gonna come it, out through it on the other <laughs> yes. side. Go through it, the get through it, and you're gonna come out on the other side. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. God bless you. You're listening to the Relevant Radio Show. Relevant Radio, Relevant Radio Show with your host, Natasha Harrod.
together for my good And I know that all things work together for my Whatever, if I just believe it's true, you never 
down and you don't know what the Lord has done for me. topic for today beauty for ashes that topic is taken from isaiah 61 and 3 and it reads in the king james version to appoint unto them that mourn in zion to give unto them the beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that they might be called the tree of righteousness the planting of the lord that he might be glorified Let's dive deeper into what that means. Throughout the Bible and throughout history, ashes were a symbol of grief. Um, they were, uh, it was used in times of deep repentance. And then naturally so, we know that ashes are the remnants of what is left. In your fireplace, after you've burned the wood, you no longer have wood, but you have ashes. And that is what remains. When something is burned, ashes are all that is left. Sometimes life happens, and it leaves us with ashes. It leaves us with remnants. Life hurts. We make bad choices. Things get hard. The way gets dark, and we're left with the remnants of those decisions. Life leaves its mark. We have ashes of grief, ashes of pain, ashes of heartache, ashes of betrayal. We've been left with nothing but ashes in the depths of our soul. Sometimes we put on a brave face, but inside we have the remnants of our past 
of childhood hurts, of things that have left and scarred us, past relationships, people that have hurt us. Sometimes the ashes are in places only God can see because we put up a face for the world and we appear happy, but inside there's things that only God can heal. Yes, life gives us ashes. And if we're to be honest, sometimes we give ourselves ashes. Our choices don't always give us life. We don't take our we don't take care of our bodies the way that we should. We remain in relationships that don't serve us well, and we end up with ashes. Filled with ashes, we may wonder, where is God? Why didn't he stop it? Why did he allow it to happen? Well, I want to tell you that you're not alone in your questioning. Job was there in the Bible. Job, when he lost everything and his world was turned upside down. Job 2 and 8 says, Job sat in ashes after his children, servants, cattle, and possessions were gone. Daniel was there. Daniel was a young man in the Bible that dwelled in that space of ash when his people suffered in captivity. Daniel cried out to God and repented of his sins. Daniel 9 and 3 says that he turned his face to God prayed for mercy for his people as he stood in sackcloth and ashes. So you are not alone in your season of ashes. But the truth of the matter is that when we question and wonder where he is, where God is, and and when will he save us, the truth of the matter is that he was there walking with you in the midst of it all, even though we may not always feel it even though we may not even see it. And sometimes we don't even know it. He's there. Isaiah 61 and 3 lets us know that he wants to lift us up. He wants to give us beauty for the ashes of our life, the ashes of our experiences. He wants to give us oil of joy for the mourning and the tears that we have cried, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that comes over us, the spirit of, of, of sadness that dwells in us because of the things that have happened to us, that we would be righteous before him and be like trees that are planted and not easily blown down, that we would have stability in our life and that he would be glorified through that. He never forsakes us and he never leaves us, even through the seasons of our ashes. His love never runs out. It never gives up. He lets us know in John 16 and 3, in this world, we will have trouble, but we can be courageous because he's already overcome every obstacle. I want you to know that Christ comes to redeem us, to give us hope, to give us his life and that more abundantly. Christ came to give us beauty for our ashes. He never intended for you to stay in a season of ashes. He never intended for you to stay broken. There's more for you than a life of pain and regret, of shame and heartache. You are greater than your biggest mistake. God heals and God restores. And he comes to remind us of who he created us to be and the awesome destiny that he has for us. There is a morning after every night, a rainbow after every rain, 
joy after the sorrow. There's beauty and greatness after the ashes in your life. Release the ashes of your pain, your hurt, and your shame. Exchange them for the beauty of his strength, healing, and forgiveness. Don't give up in the ashes. There's beauty for your life. Give God your ashes, and he will make something beautiful out of your life.
inspirational mix of great songs today. Hope that you are being lifted and inspired. Our relevant spotlight today, we have as a special guest, Byron Rogers. He's an artist in the uh, St. Louis metropolitan area. And we are talking about beauty for ashes. And so we are going to talk to an artist um, who takes something that is plain and nondescript and maybe not even beautiful, but turns it into a wonderful work of art. So, Byron, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thank you for having me. Okay. So tell us a little bit about yourself, your family, um, some teaching positions that you've had, what you do, what you do career-wise, and some of your community involvement. Well, I'm born and raised in St. Louis, Missouri, down in Jeff Vandaloo Apartments. Um, I have several brothers and sisters um, on both sides of the family, father and mother's side. Most of my family members are musicians, and um, a lot of them are like preachers. And, and so I kind of grew up in the church. And so that's been like the, the soul of who I am and, and what I do with my artwork and what I do for my organization that I, um, a nonprofit organization. So it's all inspired and driven by that whole love for people and that whole love for God and that whole idea that art can um, heal. So I was, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no, good. that's awesome. Art can heal. And, uh, you mentioned a lot of your family is uh, musicians. So that creativity, I guess, runs in the family. Yeah, yeah. So I'm a musician also, uh, one of those non-self-taught musicians. Okay. But I don't think I, I do. What do you uh, play? I play percussions, um, bass guitar, and I used to play keys. I used to be minister of music of Full Gospel Assembly Church when I was a teenager. And then um, once I grew up and kind of started really seeking God for myself and, and seeking God for my family, got married. I started, uh, we started a church, finding the church for ourselves. And then from there, we grew. And I started playing like the bass guitar again and the percussion getting on congos. And I backed up for people like Kennedy Shields and, you know, different other people that um, wanted me to play for them. So okay. that's how the music side of me <laughs> was inspired. Well, just all around creativity. So you mentioned a nonprofit. Um, Tell us about your nonprofit. Well, it's um, a nonprofit called Be Art Gallery and Studios. Right now, we don't really have a gallery or space. We're in the process of really trying to work with communities and find a location. But what we do is, like, do art on the go. So our organization would go into a community center. It would go into a setting, and we would teach art. We would teach um my son does music and art, so we'll just go in and just share our love and just share projects because what one of our goals is to work with young people that are, you know, they call at risk, but I say, you know, they're a challenge. You got a lot of this out there in the neighborhoods, and a lot of these kids don't have great means of really expressing themselves or letting out a lot of their stress. So what we do is try to teach them ways of how you can utilize that negative energy and turn to some positive. So let's create some art. Let's do some music. Let's sing. Get them inspired and involved with something other than, you know, the criminal activity. That's awesome. And I think that that kind of goes in line with our topic of, 
you know, I was thinking artistically, but even what you do with your organization of Beauty for Ashes, taking young people mm-hmm. who might be in a season of ash or headed that way um, and right. helping them to really turn their lives into, you know, what God has for them. That's awesome. So. Yeah, it's, it's always been in my heart ever since um, I was young. I always worked, even at church, worked with the young people. And young people just always been just a, holds a special part in my life. So, and it just was inspired by me. Um, growing up in the neighborhood I grew up in, you know, it was a lot of negativity. A lot of people, teachers didn't think that you will inspire or aspire to be anything um, beyond um, staying in the streets. So one of my teachers inspired me to um, really take my art and take what I do and start doing real good and positive um, things with it. So I was doing like bulletin boards for the school. I was, um, she had me write drawing flyers and it started taking me out of that whole feeling of anger, feeling alone, um, because I really didn't have a lot of friends growing up. So I was always just inspired through my art to, um, to imagine, to, to just take me to another place. So I use art really to um, heal myself. Mm. That's, that's beautiful, you know, because um, so many young people, um, even though they're at the beginning stages of their life, and like you said, feel alone, feel abandoned or betrayed through life circumstances and, you know, if there's not intervention, and you mentioned a teacher that was there for you that really inspired mm-hmm. you to take your art seriously, and now you're turning around and you and your family are being that um, inspiration for young people, for other young people. Yeah, because I mean that's one of our ministries um, at our church is you know we're not here for ourselves, mm-hmm. and I think that's what's wrong with the world today. We we're so selfish, we're so selfie. <laughs> like, exactly. Yeah, but we love taking selfies uh, and talking about ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, and and one thing that my mom really instilled in us, her boys, was you know, it's more than it's it's more than just you, and it's more than about you. And your salvation is about somebody else's salvation. You should be a light for the world. So when you're out there, you should be an inspiration to those people or to someone to help bring positivity to their life. You should never bring stress or make it worse for anybody. You should always be that door for someone else. So even with my kids, we go out, my daughter, she goes out and help out with the organization because I want to teach them that, yeah, you're blessed. Not everybody has opportunity, has a mother, father at home. Not everybody has food on their table every day. And I want you to be able to say, it's more than about me. I can get out here and help someone else and see how I can be an inspiration to someone. And I'm telling you, it's better to give than to receive. That's my whole philosophy, because you you just be more blessed. And I feel the blessed person is the one that can or that's able to give. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, like I say, in keeping in mind with our topic of beauty for ashes, sometimes we mm-hmm. we always kind of are looking for God to um, come and turn our situation around and, and just, you know, part the skies and, right. you know, bring this rainbow to our situation. But sometimes God uses people 
and we and, and so what I hear you saying right. is that we should be open and available to be vessels to be able to help bring that beauty to somebody's life, help be that inspiration and that spark to someone else. Right, because that's, um, I mean, even with my artwork, uh, I think it was just one day I was sitting there and with all the stuff that was going on, Ferguson, it was around that time with Ferguson, and I was like, you know, I loved all my artwork with the musicians and doing certain little um, pieces for people that kind of inspire and sell my work. It made me feel good, but then when Ferguson hit and I had the opportunity to um, be part of a group that did artwork based off that event at that moment to be a reaction, positive reaction. And we we exhibited our work throughout the city. It opened my eyes to say my work is more powerful than just creating fun artwork or artwork that go in someone's houses. This artwork has a story. This artwork has power to change minds and to heal hearts. So I start, you know, just making the decree to myself. Let me start making purposeful art. I want to make art that impacts the soul, that change the minds of people, make people when they see it, they feel something. You know, they feel good. They they may feel or it may evoke the thought or it may push people to action or inspire someone. So a lot of my art now has kind of shifted and and really became a different focus, even still doing some of the same artwork, but more focused towards really inspiring people, especially our people. Because when you go to an art museum, you don't see too many pictures with black people in it. Mm-hmm. Or if you do, you know, they're slaves or something, some negative <laughs> at the time. Right. So one of the goals of mine is with my artwork is to inspire people. I told my professor in college, I said, you know what, I really don't want to get rich by doing this, but I want to see when you go into a lot of our homes, we don't see real artwork. Mm-hmm. We see prints or we see copies, but people and afford it. I say I want to make artwork for my people and make it affordable for my people. So when they see it, it'll be more of an investment. So when I'm dead and gone, or if I make it big, they got an original Byron Rogers. So now they have money. They have value because art is one of the things that don't lose value. Art gains value. If you see it with a lot of the galleries and the people that are selling art at these different auctions, artwork always goes up in value. Mm-hmm. It's an investment. So they will have a treasure. And I must say that that my husband and I have an original Byron Rogers, actually a couple. And, uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and when you talked about Ferguson, um, and you're speaking just for our listeners because we're nationwide, um, he's speaking of the uprising that occurred um, 2014 after the killing of Mike Brown by a Ferguson police officer, and there were riots and racial protests and just a lot of. Um, uneasiness in the community and it really led to um, a conversation um, about race relations in this area and so again even from that I hear you saying being able that was really a season of of brokenness for the city for this community for this nation um, of a season of ashes and really, I mean, literally, because things were burning to the ground in Ferguson, buildings burning and things ground. like that. Yeah. <laughs> and so being able yeah. to take that, those ashes, and we talked about ashes being the remnants of pain and hurt, uh, what remains after, you know, something has burned. 
being able to take that and then, like you say, with a group of artists being able to come in and bring beauty to that situation. And then not even mm-hmm. that, but then also um, I often talk to my daughter about representation, how that is important. And I heard you talk about, you know, how you don't see images, positive images of African-Americans in art galleries a lot of times. And so that is something that you wanted to be a part of uh, bringing that representation um, for your people and um not even for not just for your people. And I love that you said it's specifically mm. for your people, but then also it educates other races and ethnicities of yeah. that there are other representations other than the slave, the servant, the subservient, um right. African American. Exactly. And we're happy people. I, I really want to show that pride and that happiness, that joy that we have um through my artwork and our spirituality. A lot of my artwork when people see it there's a lot of spirituality, those facial expressions. That I, I, or they talk about how they remember going to church or how they remember uh, being a period of their time when they were young. Like I have different images with young people playing and jumping ropes, stuff we used to do. And really, that's what my art does. I mean, it's inspired by my childhood. It's inspired by my upbringing in a church. It's inspired by just being a teacher. A lot of, I tell my students all the time, you guys inspire me as I'm teaching you guys to work. I'm looking at some of your work and listen to some of your conversation and it's inspiring me to um, produce because when I'm not around that or around people that are just in, inspiring me, I can't work. <laughs> I can't work. I have to be around people. That's why COVID, this whole thing is kind of driving me nuts. So because right. you, I can't be around people, but what's been really um, inspiring my work is just really gave me a time to listen and, mm. and get back into the word. And a lot of my artwork has now been um, inspired by the Bibles, Bible stories. It's been inspired by just really the roots of church because during this time, it's really having you contemplate and under, and kind of really look at this church. is not about just a building. Church is you, the church. Mm-hmm. You know, you're that minister. God said you are the temple. So I have to start. I, I had to change my mindset because I just didn't know how to function without going to church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you right. know, I've been around my church folks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I had to really start saying, hey, it's, it's me. I'm the church. And I still have to inspire. I still have to work. So a lot of my work now has just really been just inspired by that whole new idea, this whole new um, notion of me being the temple. And I have to get out there and put my message out there through my work. Cool. That's awesome. That's and God's cool. message. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. So, um, and then you talked about... Um, Let's talk a little bit about actually your art. What type of art do you create? Um, what kind of mediums do you use? Let's talk a little bit about that. All right. Um, basically, I use everything. And you're a painter. <laughs> I, right? I went to uh, yeah. Well, not really. I really um, I went to Webster University. I got my um, master's degree in art history. I couldn't get into the art department because I didn't have a portfolio. I didn't take art hardly in high school. I took a lot of music classes in high school. So when I went to uh, Webster University, I said, man, I want to be an artist now. And they said, well, you don't have a portfolio. So I said, well, what's the next big thing? 
they said, art history. So I said, okay, I'll take it, as long as I can take studio classes. So really, um, starting off, I got into printmaking, and that's um, basically carving into, like, wood or um, scratching in linoleum plates or glass and then rolling ink on top of it and putting your paper in it, running through a press and getting an impression of what you created or scratched into that plate or carved out of that wood. So sometimes you use metal plates with acid and let the acid bite into the lines that you create. So printmaking was my my go-to because I didn't have to use color and I was afraid of color. I just love black and white. And um, so once I graduated from Webster with my bachelor's in art history, then I went to Fambon University where I went more into studio art, where I dove more into painting, drawing, and um, really the educational side of creating artwork. So that inspired me to be a teacher. So I started off teaching at for the Archdiocese of St. Louis at Bishop Hilly School. And that's where really teaching had and understanding art history that found having that foundation and understanding the different styles of art understanding different mediums that really helped propel me to be a, a, a good teacher because not only could i draw then i can paint i could teach printmaking i could teach sculpture i could teach photography i could teach all these different things because i had this art history background okay. and understanding of all these different mediums so now i incorporate everything into my artwork it's days i've been in art shows and people say i don't is this all the same artist because <laughs> you see paintings you'll see prints you'll see photography you'll see mm. sculpture you'll see it all and it's really um the mood of what i'm in but my go-to actually is um painting okay. painting and drawing but I um, really have a lot of prints that I do, linoleum prints and woodcuts. And um, like right now, I teach photography and graphic design. And I incorporate that with doing logos for people um, and those type of things. So I just use everything. I heard <laughs> Every, you say it, that you uh, did mostly black and white because you were afraid of color. Why were you afraid, afraid of color? color? <laughs> I didn't know how to blend color. I didn't know what color went with color. I remember being in elementary school, and I, me and my friend, how we passed art, I would draw it, and i hand him the pictures, and he would color them because I didn't even <laughs> want to use Crayola crayon. That's funny. But uh, and my actually, mom actually the, made uh, me. The, one of the paintings that I we have of yours, that's what I love about it so much, the vibrant colors that the church the scene. Vibrant. Yeah, and I, I love the colors. And that's, <laughs> and that's only been within the last few years mm. because um, to use vibrant colors, because if you look at my painting starting off, it was a lot of blues, it was a lot of earth tones, very dark, very sad-looking colors. And then um, I started hanging around. Uh, I taught at St. Louis Artworks, and I hung around a young lady named Stasia Carey, who was very vibrant with all her colors. I mean, she was part Creole, and the last person I knew that um, came from one of the islands, they used bright colors all the time. And I was like, man, y'all working so happy. <laughs> so um, so I, what I did was uh, kind of start piggybacking off her, start asking her questions, start looking at her work. And I said, man, I got to start using some bright colors. And once I did it, I mean, everybody, even some of the people that saw my work before, they were looking like, man, Byron, your work is really getting out there. It's really 
brightening up. I mean, you don't never use red or orange or those colors. So I started getting a different response. And once I started doing that, I started to start diving more into it. But yeah, my mom made me take painting. I was not taking painting in college. I was like, nah. She's like, you have to take painting if you want to be a great artist. And so because of her, I took went on ahead and signed up for a couple painting classes and just started moving from there. Well, and that's what I mainly knew you as. I didn't know about the other mediums that you worked in. So that's awesome. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna take a break for station identification and uh, probably play a song, and then we're gonna come back and continue our conversation with artist Byron Rogers. One thing that I did hear him say was that uh, up until a couple of years ago, he was afraid to use color, and when he did his work, when he started to uh, dabble in color, his work brightened up and it became happier. When if you are in a season of ashes, a lot of time ashes are gray. You feel like your days are gray and black and gloomy. I encourage you to invite some color, some happiness, some joy into your life, and you will begin to see that beauty unfold. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Let's go to the throne right here. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love, a spirit of power, and a sound mind. Let's go.
artist Byron Rogers, and you are listening to Relevant, the radio show, with host Natasha Harrett. So, Byron, let's talk about your creative process. How do you start? Um, what's your creative process when you start a project? Um, really just being inspired. Uh, if I see something or have a dream, a lot of my artwork, people don't believe it, a lot of my artwork comes from, like, dreams or visions I have if I'm out. Um with my kids, uh, especially my daughter, we're hanging out and something sparked my attention. Then from there, I try to start sketching a lot of my um, images out in my little sketchbook. I either keep a little sketchbook or a little camera. Now you have your cell phone, you take a little picture of something that you see, maybe a guy um, um, sitting on a bench in the park. And I'm like, man, that's a cool posture that he has or that reminds me of something so i may snap a picture of that and then utilize that as a foundation but then after i get the basis of it then i really go into a more inspirational mode i have to have my music playing um and one thing i learned in art history class (laughs) i was studying um buddhist art and i was just looking at their quilts and looking at their uh, mandalas that they created i was like oh my god this is so beautiful but one thing that inspired me the one thing i remember was my professor said that as they're creating these quilts and they're creating these mandalas as they go in with the thread and comes out there doing a prayer mm. and then they're coming back in they're praying they're constantly meditating while they're creating and i said man i need to start incorporating that into my artwork and as i got older i remembered that and i said you know what this gift is only given to me by god this can be taken away because there's been days i've been draw for days and when i went back into sketching i couldn't do it it was a struggle so i said this is truly a blessing that can be taken or you have to just practice practice get back to the the level you were or you know i can use this as my meditation time so doing my artwork there's a lot of prayer going on there's a lot of meditation going on um and just and sometimes i just look at the the paper or look at the wood to really try to focus on how what composition i should use should i do it in portrait or should i do it in landscape so it's really a a communal with God for me is a communal with just a moment where I have to be alone and I, I turn on my Molly music or I turn on my, my Kirk Franklin, whatever I may have on. Sometimes I may play some cold train, you know, but I have to get in that mood where I can really give my 100% to that piece, you know, and not be distracted. And do you feel like that prayer and that spirituality um, God, that, oh, that guide you through yeah. that process of what to do next, that's, what stroke to do. That's my clarity, mm. honestly. I mean, when I start struggling with, like, just with one piece, I was struggling with how the arms should be. And I was like, man, man. And just having that time to meditate and just pausing and praying or just saying, God, I need help. You know, just simple little prayers, or I really just start meditating and really seeing what he wants me to pull out of this piece, you know, so, and then it just becomes easy for me um, after that point. But it has really gotten me through COVID because, you know, a lot of people have that anxiety. I've been hearing my son been having anxiety, um, friends that I know having anxiety and depression, and I haven't 
gone through that because, you know, I've learned. And even when it first happened, I said, this is probably the best thing that has happened in my life because it made me concentrate on what is the essential things in life. Mm -hmm. It's not my sports. It's not, you know, my uh, just hanging out with my friends. It's, it's really, I didn't, I didn't really focus on family. Like, cause we were so busy. My wife would work and she'll work till eight o'clock, nine o'clock. Sometimes I don't see her till bedtime. I was going in and out working at different communities. I'm telling you, it was getting to a point I was doing teaching. I was trying to do my art business. I was doing my nonprofit business and I was going in and out of different places, um, working. And it was days that I started having headaches and tension headaches. And I was having eye twitches, just things going on with my body that was kind of getting scary. And once this hit, all this stuff stopped. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I was like, this is, listen it's time for me to listen it's time for me to get back so i've even started a book you know with my artwork and just meditation inspirational songs that i've written i don't know uh, we used to write songs when i was <laughs> back in the day when we was working at neighborhood houses and so i'm using a lot of those songs turn them into poems um sometimes guy used to wake me up and i say used to wake me up because that's when i was listening um, and I, he just put some on my mind and I just start writing it down, you know? So I'm taking a lot of that stuff, incorporating my art with it and starting a book of inspiration. So this has really been, like I said, a time for me to really take my art to the next level and really to focus on what God want me to do with this gift and talent that he has, yeah. because my son, my, yeah. okay. I said, then just yeah, yeah, slow down you, you have to slow down. Yeah, and it and it gave me that opportunity to slow down, and like my son gave me a, a Father's Day gift that was really uh, that I value it was a, a book, and he said, "Dad, with this book, I want you to just write down like inspirational moments or just things in this book, and I want you to give it back to me. So as you get older or you pass on whatever, I always have something with your words in it, and wow. that really spawned that whole thing about writing a book." Wow, that's beautiful. Uh, yeah. You know, that yeah. your son would even, you know, be that mindful. Yeah, and, and, and listeners, I, I'm hearing Byron say something that I think is really key. A lot of people have indeed been struggling with anxiety, loneliness, um, fear, doubt, you know, a range of emotions during um, this COVID period, COVID-19 period. And um, for him, his art has been an outlet, uh, spending t- more quality time with his family has been an outlet. And if you are uh, feeling some of those emotions, find what works for you. You know, um, you can stay in that place of ashes or you can start to start to bring beauty to your life in small ways of, you know, for my daughter, it was she loves to read. And for her, it was she was so happy when the libraries opened back up, you know, and she was able to go get new books, you know, and so read and escape to another world or find some create, you know, what, what, uh, what uh, hobbies or what um, things create creative things that did you used to do that you don't have time for anymore but now that life has kind of slowed down that you can go back to maybe for you it was sewing or drawing or writing um, journaling you know find some outlets so that you can kind of let some of that steam of worry and fear go and mm-hmm. begin to turn those ashes of 
loneliness and all of these range of emotions and turn turn that into some beauty in your life. Yeah, that's beautiful. Um, yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so what's the process? I mean, what is that feeling like when you have been working on a project? Well, first of all, how long does it take you? I know it can range on the, the complexity of the project, but typically how long does it take mm-hmm. you to finish a project? It depends on the project and depends on my motivation. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> really. <laughs> Because some people have uh, commissioned me to do a piece, and I say, well, that's all paint. All paint takes time to dry, days to dry sometimes. And then once you do that first coat, then I do a second coat. So sometimes it may take me months to finish an uh, art piece. But I've done pieces in a day. Um, and those are like those little small drawings, quick drawings for like um, friends and family that need logos or images for beauty shop or something like that that they need some quick so but most of my paintings take me at least a month to um and some pieces not too long would take me years i've had a couple pieces that i stopped working on because the inspiration kind of stopped mm-hmm. or ceased and i wait and there's pieces that i've waited for the inspiration to come back or for the answer because i some pieces i can work up to like 80 percent or 90 percent and it's like I'm, I'm looking at it like it's something missing it's mm-hmm. something missing but i learned not to rush it because if you rush it there's pieces i rushed and i still have on my wall right now because i can't sell mm-hmm. and then there's pieces that i just let time I, I sat back got away from it and then i came back to it and as soon as i came back to it it sold the next day mm-hmm. I, I remember that happened i had a piece for a long time and because, and I just put it out there. So I'm gonna just put it out there. It's a nice concept. I'm gonna put it out there, but it wasn't. It wasn't finished. And even in my heart, I knew it wasn't finished. I said something in there, but I'm gonna put it out there anyway. And that piece sat there at different art shows. And then one day, it just hit me what to do, and I did it. And I put it in the very next art show that weekend was coming up. It sold that weekend. The lady looked at. It, she said, "I've been looking for a piece like this." <laughs> it, 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 and it artwork has been happening like that because sometimes i do an art piece and i'm like why am i doing this why why you got me drawing this and then before you know it i'm at an art show and like i say it's everybody buys my art it's not just black people white people asian people everybody buy and this one white guy came up he was like man that's the piece i love this piece and I'm saying like like this, <laughs> you know, and he bought it right off the bat, and it was just an idea, fun thing that I was doing, a saxophone player, and I, I don't even know why I drew. I don't even play saxophone, but I was like, man, it was just on my heart to do one, and real goofy face and everything, some out of the ordinary, and he loved it and took it, and his wife loved it. I said we got the perfect place for this, you know, so. You never know. That's why I say you never know what God is going to do through you mm-hmm. because you may think he's going to work one way <laughs> or it should work one way. And he have you do something you're like, man, this don't even make sense. And before you know it, you have inspired somebody or you have touched somebody and you're like, man. God know what he's doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? It's like, yeah. yeah. So that's why I say sometimes I do art. And honestly, don't know why I do it or who it's going to inspire. But nine times out of ten, it inspires somebody and it touched somebody. 
you know, and, and when it's completed and then when it's done, oh my God, it's the best feeling ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes I have sat back and looked at art pieces and said, I did not do this. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm looking at it. I did not do this. I, mm-hmm. I can't believe sometimes some of the work and not that it's all spectacular. It's just, I get an emotion from it. Like, man, this really, this is really deep, you know? And I just can't believe sometimes how God used me through art, you know, and to touch people and even inspire myself because there's a lot of times I say, I can't do that. I can't do that. And I just struggle through it. I work through it. I pray through it. And at the end of it, I'm looking like, Oh my God. And it, and like my wife constantly tells me, you got to build your confidence up. When people ask me to do stuff, I'll be nervous. I can't do that. No, I can't do it. She say, you can't do it. Quit being nervous about it. You know, quit stressing about it because I just want it to be right for whoever committed me to do a art piece, especially portraits. Oh, my God, I stress and sweat through portraits. But once it's done, and people keep saying, I, I want you to do it, your Byron right. They even say it. I want that Byron style. I'm like, okay. I do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh. That's awesome. Thank you so much. This has been such an enlightening conversation um, with and kind of even more than I anticipated, you know. Um, oh. But I definitely appreciate you taking the time to talk to us and um, the listeners and be a part of the Relevant Spotlight. And we are going to have um, information on the Relevant uh, relevant the radio show we're going to have information on how to connect with Byron Rogers to his organization mm-hmm. and to you know if you want to see his artwork and and all of that we'll have information on our Facebook page um, following the show um, I'm always amazed at artists my husband is a musician um producer (laughs) yeah one of the best and one of the best (laughs) and i'm always amazed i can sit down at the very same keyboard and not produce the sound that he is able to produce and i'm sure i could pick up a brush or take a piece of wood and i could not produce what you are able to produce through that i'm always amazed at creatives and just their process and how they're able to take something from nothing and listeners I just want to let you know and inspire you to know that what you feel like is the lowest point of your life or what you feel like you might be nothing or insignificant Um, Byron talked about being from the Jeff Vanderloo neighborhood uh, a neighborhood that you know people write people off from that neighborhood Um, it's not a it's a low income neighborhood but you can take rise from those ashes and some very qualified, uh, wonderful people have come out of that neighborhood. So it doesn't matter where you come from, what your background is like, what mistakes that you've made, even in the ashes of your life, God can take it and turn something beautiful out of your life. Thanks for joining us, Byron. Uh, we appreciate you. Oh, you're and welcome. hold on, we will be right back with Relevant, the radio show. Ooh, the Relevant Radio Show. Wow, it's my prayer that this has been an impactful show for you. Thankful thoughts for this week? 
I'm thankful that I survived the ashes of my life, that with the strength of God I was able to move past experiences and people that I thought would break me, but instead only led me to be the woman God intended me to be. Thankful the beauty, his love, his confidence, and self-worth, my husband, my children, wonderful friendships, and walking in my purpose. That's the beauty that he gave me for the ashes of brokenness that I gave him. Now that is an exchange. <laughs> God is awesome. Let me leave you with this, my final thought. I found this quote on social media and it says, my life fell apart more times than I care to admit. But you know what? Every time it fell apart, I figured out a way to put it back together again and even better than it originally was. Moral of the story, never give up on yourself. We all have the power in us to rise. So rise. I want you to know that even if you are in a season of ashes in your life and you are dealing with the remnants of hurt and pain and disappointment and sickness, I want you to be encouraged and know that the best is yet to come. Thanks for joining us for Relevant, the radio show. I'm your host, Natasha Harrod. Connect with us on Facebook. Our page is Relevant, the radio show, where you can learn more about us and find upcoming topics. Until then, be real, be relevant, and walk in the light. The Relevant Radio Show is powered by Real Music Radio and in association with Spirit of Integrity Ministries and Time on Music.